Welcome back to the Compound Podcast. This is episode, we think, 13. If I had to guess, I'm going to go 13. Yeah. You can change all the names. We're, yeah, we're not doing numbers anymore. Just names. Here at the Compound, we actually have a, an, it's an interesting time at the Compound. Because this could be our last podcast recorded from the Compound, coming to you live from the Compound. It's a very sad day in our history. But um, I'd say, for me personally, I'm very much looking forward to being anywhere else. Yeah. The compound's been wonderful, but it seems like it's time to move on from the compound and go back to uh, more of civilization. The heat doesn't help. No. It's been like 105 every day for the last week. It's not going to let up. I didn't think Arizona got this hot this quick. But it does. You've clearly never had to play in the AZL again. That was a humble brag by me. That was a little bit right there. Uh, so we're going to do worst best MVP. Uh, we have Joel Damon, PGA Tour golfer extraordinaire, recently shot a 58, uh, and I was there to witness it. Uh, pretty impressive. Pretty absolutely amazing. I think we actually cut him off in the interview when he was talking about it. We didn't even get to hear the end of his 58 story, which, which I just am realizing now. Which was what? Well, then he shot a 58. I think we ended on, he was like going through the whole thing. We I think we cut him off at like hole nine. Yeah, well. And the back nine. In. We get it. The back nine, he shot 26. We, so. knew, we knew how things ended up. Yeah. We knew the end Six. of the story. Uh, all right, Dakota, why don't you, worst than best. Come on. Um, the worst part of my day-to-day is my tennis game. It has somehow gone backwards recently. Um, a little frustrated out there. On the court. I want to break every racket. I want to I, – I hit a ball over the house just to do it, to let out some anger, and felt better afterwards, actually. So that was worth it. Um, and then – but, yeah, we'll, we'll work we'll work our way back. I'll be all right. Uh, the best part of my day-to-day was probably the fact that we get to hopefully go back. I'm, I'm planning on going home next weekend, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, haven't seen my family in about two months, so – That'll be fun. Only two? There's more than two. I don't know, whenever the beginning of February is, I lost. I don't even know what day it is anymore. It's almost June. I can't count that fast. Right. February, I March, think that's four April. Months. Okay, four months. Sorry. You said two. Whoops. Four months. Sorry about that. Feels mother. like two months. Sorry uh, about that. Nico, what do you got? Um, the worst part of my day was I actually gave in and I used batting gloves while I deadlifted for the first time. <laughs> Because your hands hurt so bad? The the hex bar that we have is very rigid. And I just, I didn't like the idea of using gloves when I lifted. But today, I don't know if it was extra hot and my hands were just melting, ready to rip. But I, I gave in and I used batting gloves. So that was a, a down part of the day. Just Wish I you would like have got some video. I mentally gave in. Um, best part of my day is the transition from May to June. June is a month that could potentially have baseball and some progress and maybe some signs of hope. So that should be a nice change. 
be wonderful for all of us. Yes. Uh, Zach. Worst part of my day would have to be that this could potentially be the last Grimaldi's. Ooh, great point. Last Sunday pizza. Yeah. Uh, that is something that you can definitely look forward to every Sunday as soon as you wake up. Um, best part was the tennis match that all three of us had. Of course it was. It was fun. Hey, yeah. had to battle some adversity there. I'll just jump right in with my worst part was the tennis match because we were playing king of the court, first to seven game wins. I won my first five and then didn't win another game. So That's when you probably expect to win. Yeah, after I won the first five, I was like, but I was just gassed. After five straight games to start, I was just Would gassed. Would you rather have won three and then lost one and regrouped and then had a chance to go after it? Uh, Probably. Probably. I think... I think the way that Shorty, because Shorty won the last seven, so I won the first five and Shorty won the last seven, and I think, because Dakota was having a great day, but I think that he, once he got to five wins there, it was like, all right, I just need two more, and it was just like... Well, we had the long battle for one of them when I was like, I mean, if I lose this game... I think we had the long, it was like game four, it was like your fifth, I think it was your fifth game. Yeah. Your fifth, that was the deciding, if I would have won that to go to six Six, and have him at four, it would have been over. It's a game of emotional swings, for sure. Yeah. Uh, but that was my worst part of the day, but it was fun playing tennis out there in 105 degree heat, good for the body. And the best part of my day was we started cleaning the house a little bit in preparation for a possible departure. So the best part of my day was realizing that it might not be as hard to clean as I thought it was going to be. Just little by little. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We just plan it out. We'll do a little bit each day. It won't be just a mad dash at the end. Um, but that'll really lead me right into the MVP of the day and I can't pick an MVP because everyone did a great job helping with uh, various parts of cleaning the house today. You got the pizza. It's MVP. Well, I can't give myself the MVP, you know. I'm a selfless guy. So I'm going to give it to the whole house. Everybody did a great job. Everyone uh, gets a participation award. Yeah. The score is fun to fun today with the MVP. <laughs> and that's what really matters. Um, so let's take it into the Joel Damon interview. Uh, baseball fan. Mariners fan. <laughs> For all the Cubs fans out there, Poor he's a Mariners fan. Uh, I don't think he's very happy about it, but he talked a little about the ballpark food. So here is Joel Damon. Awesome. Okay, great. Sorry, guys, my Mariners are so bad that uh, my baseball is uh, limited these days because they're going to play off <laughs> in 19 fucking years. So Beautiful uh, ballpark, though. Yeah, gorgeous, gorgeous. It's a great ballpark, especially in the summer. It doesn't even rain there. We don't even need the roof, hardly. But uh, <laughs> And the garlic fries. You guys probably smell the garlic fries there, too. Is that like a specialty, the garlic fries? It is. It's unbelievable. Uh, that's what you get. Uh, we call them rally fries in the seventh inning, and then some like really smoking hot girl intern gives them to the best fan. Uh, I wow. did her in college, so I always got the fan when I was there. So it's good. <laughs> <laughs> that not a bad deal. Go for the chick with the garlic fries. Everybody knows. Obviously, are you guys in uh, your Scottsdale compound? We are. We are in the compound. Coming to you live from the compound. Love it. Do you guys have a name for the house? The Compound. Oh, it actually is. Okay, It actually is. That's also the name of the podcast. Thanks for listening. Uh, yeah, I haven't listened yet. D- uh, Devo said I should. I think your mom was on, right? Right after we played golf? We did a Mother's Day episode, yeah, where all of our moms were on. But we did. We played golf recently. You shot a 58. We wanted to talk about that a little bit. Certainly. Uh, that was the most incredible thing I've ever seen. Uh, but I was pretty upset because I shot a 69, which was three <laughs> under and my best round, and nobody gave a shit. Nobody cared. <laughs> Completely overshadowed me by going 14 under and shooting 58. 
When did you, you, you never really realized that you were going to go that low. I didn't. I was, uh, I was kind of focused. It was me, uh, you and Derek Bolin, uh, who's my agent and a huge Cubs fan. Uh, we were the, we were a three man team against obviously three other guys. And all I cared about was, um, taking money off the other team. Uh, I had a, during this quarantine period, I've had a great record at Mesa of not losing. Love that. So I was pretty focused on that. And then I was watching uh, you and Schwarber, Schwarbo hit bombs, uh, and you stuff a wedge on a par five on the first hole to make the eagle, and I'm like, holy crap, like, these guys are actually pretty good. And then he followed up the eagle with a double, though, so he's well, really not- He didn't like the par threes at Mesa. He didn't like <laughs> no. that part. No, the par um, threes got me. Yeah, and I was I was two hundred through seven, which is maybe even par for me at Mesa. Probably could be one or two better. Didn't think anything of it. We were doing our typical uh, consumption of white claws, hanging out. I know we were kicking the crap out of the other team. I think we we're up, you know, fifty or sixty bucks at a turn. But things got a little weird. Uh, kind of on eight, I guess. I made a nice ten footer up the hill on birdie on eight, and then I I made a nice fifteen footer for eagle on nine. And, and I said, the, okay. the eagle on nine was when you walked it in, right? I did. Uh, there was some smack talk from the other team about I was right next to a, a Brandon Harkins uh, for eagle, and I he lipped out, and I walked it in with a little putter raise and uh, told them what was up and made sure that they knew who was who was who was boss that day. <laughs> <laughs> when you're when you're locked in, what is the best part of your game? I'm normally a pretty good ball striker, so I hit a lot of fairways. I hit a lot of greens. When I'm locked in, the wedges are going close to the hole, um, you know, inside of eight, 10 feet. And typically, if you're going to look at my career, my putter is uh, inconsistent, maybe a good word. Uh, it can get hot, and it did, obviously, uh, that day. But uh, if you look on tour, like, when I play well is when I putt well. Um, mm-hmm. There's no – I always hit a ton of fairways. And then wedges are inconsistent as well. But when I hit wedges close and I make some putts, that's when I – Get a little dangerous. Was well, that fifty-eight the lowest of your lifetime? It is. Yeah, I had shot a eleven under fifty-nine uh, about five or six years ago on a very easy golf course. Let's say I shot fifty-nine and I didn't have the course record or tie it, so it's a very <laughs> easy golf course. Um, <laughs> so I didn't like. I count the fifty-nine because it's cool and it's great. But this fifty-eight was uh, definitely when you shoot fourteen under. That's pretty darn good. That's, yeah. that's, 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 that's going, that's going uh, pretty deep. It's like, it was, it was pretty fun, obviously. That court, I mean, that court, it's a legit course. Obviously, it's pretty long, right? It's not overly long. Uh, the fairways are firm today. I think it plays like 68 or 6,900 maybe from the back tees. It's not overly long, but it's narrow fairways, and the greens are very small, and they have quite a bit of undulation. They weren't fast that day, but mm-hmm. you still have to – I mean, Ian can attest. You can make a double or a bogey really fast on the par threes. Like, yeah. par threes are kind of long, and if you're in the wrong spot on some of those pins, it's tough to get up and down. So maybe the yardage is short, which it is for tour caliber, but it still plays plenty long because of the tree lined and because of the small greens. Yeah, the only the only thing in Mesa that you can really take advantage of is the par fives. Exactly. Because- yeah, there there are five par fives out there. Uh, all are reachable, and when the when the it's firm in the fairways, I think I maybe hit hybrid into nine or four iron, but the rest I hit, you know, a 
five six ish iron in to the rest of them, which is pretty standard. Or if you're if you're Ian, you just bomb a drive off the first tee after a workout, eating a Cobb salad, and then you hit a wedge into it. But I don't I don't have that length. I don't have that speed. Well, I did. I cracked my driver on uh, number ten tee. I had a nice uh, top to drive. And, I was going to say, can you tell the people why your driver cracked? Yeah, because uh, the face was thin, and that was the only reason. No, I topped my drive <laughs> uh, and cracked the driver on the bottom, so Joel let me use his driver for the rest of the round. And it actually physically can't miss a fairway. I think he's got something in there because I would hit a ball like off a tree, kick it right back to the middle of the fairway. That's so a very good that. point. It just no. It's like when you, you guys break a bat in the game and you borrow a buddy's bat and you hit a dinger with it. It's like... <laughs> Uh, I got to get this bat. Yeah. So, okay. yeah Actually, I offered you uh, any amount of money you wanted for the driver on the course, but wouldn't give it to me. So I think you would need, I think the number was I would need seven figures for that driver. Yeah. That's, that's how consistent it is. <laughs> that's how that it just hits fairway. So I'm willing, I'll take a seven figure deal for the driver right now. Do you take credit? Do you take some credit then for Ian 69 since he used your driver for a good portion of it? You know, it's actually, I kind of forgot that he did that, but uh, he definitely did do that. I I was actually surprised it wasn't lower, but then didn't you have, you had two doubles. I, I Didn't you make seven birdies and an eagle? Like Seven birdies and an eagle. Yeah. And only three under. Yeah, I was thinking, I thought you had played better, or the final score would be, because you definitely played better than 69, which is probably weird to say, but, um, you know, with a couple maybe better iron shots in the par threes and maybe also you're playing aggressive that day. Like we're all having fun. We're hitting driver on every hole. If you're in the trees. We're trying to go for the miracle shot. So I really, I was impressed with the golf game. I was stunned that that was your low score. I'm surprised you haven't shot a lower one some other time because you're pretty good at golf. Hang on. He just found out how to putt too. I think he, that obviously it makes seven birdies an eagle. He hit a lot of nice putts. I wasn't aware of this uh, putting issue. We were told uh, on by Schwarber, actually. We, we've heard from many sources that yeah. that's the weak part of his game. And he, he felt motivated, and then ever since that day, he was motivated, and I don't think I've seen him three-putt since. Oh, that's incredible. One fan question that I'll get to is from uh, Scotty Efros. What did what do you want to know? Is this a real fan or like a fake guy you just made up that sounds like a fake name no that's a real <laughs> name his favorite people oh, oh, practice oh. From. yes no this is a, actually one of our teammates uh he loves submitting fan questions he sends so. one in every <laughs> single interview he sends in at least like five that's awesome and i don't know if we've used one yet we might have used one i think one yeah. so this will be his second so one so they're terrible one. questions at least he's a good participant but he, hey, he, he gives us options he's a volume least. shooter yeah <laughs> hey <laughs> i appreciate those by the way those are nice he wanted to know who your your go to guys on tour are to play practice rounds with. That's a great question, um, Scotty. Scotty, this might make it, Scott. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's interesting. I I don't have like a go to. I like to play. Um, since I started playing better golf the last couple of years, I've been in most of the pro ams on Wednesday, so I'll play like nine holes on Tuesday. Um, is Sometimes I'll play 18, but if I really like the golf course, but I'm mostly just nine. So I try to get a nine hole game, but I play, um, Brandon Harkins is back on the corn ferry, but I played almost every Tuesday with Brandon in the last two years. Nick Taylor's a college roommate of mine. He won, uh, the 18 T Pebble beach this year. Um, Adam Shank is another one, man. That guy's an absolute ATM to me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that guy is just like, 
He's incredible. I think I've once. I think he just pays a locker room guy for him every week. I win so much money off of him. <laughs> those are the guys that are fun to play with, though. Those are perfect. And he's yeah, he's he's not afraid. Like he's one of those who'll just be standing on the putting green. He's like, "How about a throw for a hundred bucks?" And so you throw it to the nearest hole for a hundred bucks. And I'm like, <laughs> and he's he's terrible. So it's even better. It makes uh, it fun. I don't have like a regular game per se. I play. Uh, I guess the most memorable one is uh, Riviera. Um, I was on the tee. I think it was Nick Taylor, Martin Laird. And then uh, we're on the tee and Rory's kind of waiting around. Rory McIlroy. And I'm like, hey, Rory, you want to join? He's like, yeah, of course. That'd be great. I'm like, okay. We'll have a little match. So Nick and I were college roommates. We paired together. And uh, Rory and Martin Laird, we kind of said like a Presence Cup type thing, whatever. But yeah. he hits like a two iron off the driver and he's past me. Then he hits his highest seven iron I've ever seen in my life that lands to four feet and makes eagle. And I was like, I don't, we typically don't play for a ton of money, but I think we played for like $20 birdies, $50 eagles, and then like a, like a two down game. Like you would play for like 50 bucks for the nine holes. Mm-hmm. So obviously I think Rory shoots like 30. I probably shoot like 38 or 39. Nick doesn't play well. I I think we lost like 120 bucks. So on nine, he's done, I'm done, and the other two are going to go play. But uh, I was like, hey, Rod, here's here's my losses. And I fully expected this guy to not take my money. And I'm not really sure why, because uh, fair and square, he beat me. And I'm, I'm not broke. I'm certainly not on uh, Rory's level. But And he took the 120 bucks, and I was, I was like miffed that he's like, I thought he'd kind of wave it off, like, oh, no, man, it's all good. Like, no <laughs> He's like, no, I earned that money. He's like, yeah, I, I whipped your ass, and I whipped everybody else's ass too. So it was kind of funny that moment. That was kind of a fun day because he's he's such a good guy, and it's fun to watch, um, you know, the best player in the world and pick his brain a little bit how he goes about things. And um, but I I just remember losing money and thinking he wouldn't take it for some like like it was your dad like you're playing against your dad when you're like ten years old. You're like, oh, don't worry about it, kid. <laughs> <laughs> no, this guy's just dominated, and so. I haven't played a practice round since, but I've tried a couple times, and he seems to always have something going on. It's kind of weird how that best player in the world is a little busier than I am. <laughs> I need to I need to clear something up here. Did, did you say Rory's the best player in the world? Because Tiger Woods is still alive. Uh, currently speaking, if there was a golf tournament, I would pick Rory over Tiger. Oh, this wow. this is a pro Tiger podcast, so I don't know if we can stand for that. <laughs> I don't know if you like my tiger love is at an all time high. Like he, he's actually probably built my house. He bought my car. He's uh, we're having uh, some short ribs on the Traeger right now. He probably bought those as well. <laughs> I, I love Tiger Woods as much as anybody else. Could probably head over the compound and we could all like watch Tiger stuff and talk about it. It's pretty neat. But <laughs> Rory right now is better than Tiger day in and day out. If yeah. Gonna be like if Tiger's gonna you know tee one up, uh, you know whatever his odds like, I'll take Tiger at any given time. But Rory's the most impressive player right now. That's fair. I I, I can I can agree with that. Okay. Like Have if you were ever- to say hey you got 18 holes at the Masters, they're tied on Sunday. I'm taking Tiger every day. Oh yes. You'd be crazy to say otherwise. If you got like whatever the mortgage the Rocket Mortgage Championship and they're tied I'm Maybe taking Rory because Tiger doesn't give a shit. It's kept from me. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever played in a round with Tiger? I did actually. It was on uh, 
It was on TV today, you know, CBS Rewinds have been doing, but uh, it was 2018. Uh, actually, it might have been the Rocket Mortgage, is why I came up with that. But uh, <laughs> I played with them Saturday. It was my second year on tour. I was uh, getting better at golf. Uh, I was kind of hovering around that 125 spot. I had an okay year to that that point, but we were in like 10th-ish going into Saturday. Uh, we played together. I never played with anybody. I'd played with DJ before. That was pretty good crowds, but like, there's nothing like Tiger crowd. Yeah. I'm talking like, and the first season amphitheater, I was shaking so bad. <laughs> you, I, so he teed off first. I remember like there's so much emotions going on for me. I'm like, okay, like I was trying to like learn how to breathe again. I was trying to figure out how to walk. <laughs> I was trying to like, I didn't know. Just what try not to going on. I was just trying not to be the asshole. Like, just don't <laughs> be the asshole. Don't screw it up. So get to the T. So I, I go to the T first because I think that's a good move because I'm trying to like settle down over there. He walks. It's only like a hundred, maybe 50 yard walk from the putting green. So I kind of know he's coming because the crowd starts roaring and I like walk over and I'm like, Hey tiger, my name is Joel. And like, he went from glazed over to like, Oh, like back to reality. Like tiger mode was in effect. And I saw it in his eyes. Like it was wild. And they showed, he's like, yeah. Hey Joel, great to meet you. My name is tiger woods. Oh yeah. N- no shit, dude. Like <laughs> so we get to the first tee. He tees off first. And normally you kind of wait till they kind of start announcing your stuff to tee the ball. But I was so, I was shaking so bad. I was worried I couldn't get the ball on the tee. So I like, as soon as the ball's like in the air, I'm like over there, like trying to get the tee in the ground. So no one's noticing me and they're hopefully they're watching tiger. And also his ball lands right rough, terrible three wood off the tee, like gross. And normally it's a three wood tee shot, but I was so nervous. I'm going to tee it as high as I can with the biggest club I got to make sure I hit the ball. I don't want to screw this thing up. So as soon as his ball lands, everyone takes off. There's, I have a time lapse of it. Uh, my buddy took it from like a higher vantage point. It's really cool. As soon as his ball lands, 15,000 people start running. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, hey, guys, I'm here too. So I got my ball teed up and I am like, like my knees are shaking, my hands. I was sweating. It was hot as hell in DC area. And I ripped this ball. I, it was a lot, had to be the longest drive of my life. It was high bomb cut right down the middle. And I was like, all right, I can do this. Like, this is so cool. And I look around and no one gives a shit about me. No one's <laughs> watching me. Everyone's running. It was, uh, there's a couple of cool pictures. My caddy posted one of, because uh, it's kind of each hole's by itself. So you'd have throng, like just rows of people 10 wide, like trying to get into each hole. Um, and it was just an incredible experience. He birdied four, five, six, seven in a row. And the the around that seventh green when he made another one was the loudest thing of all time, and it was so much fun. He got to like one back of the lead at the time. It was Saturday, and I'm like, this is incredible. And I actually played. I actually shot 69 that day. He shot 68. The Vegas line was uh, I was uh, plus one and a half. So if you took me that day, I definitely made some money. Um, how do you compare like playing with him? Like you said, how nervous you felt versus going into like a Sunday in contention to win the whole tournament. That's actually a great question. I had not really been in contention at a tour event um, up to that point. The next week, I finished fifth at Greenbrier, and I was kind of around on the back nine. Kevin Knott kind of ran away. And the week after that, I finished second at John Deere. 
had my two best weeks of my career back-to-back weeks because if you can play with Tiger Woods, you can play in anything. You can play. You will never be that nervous. Yeah. Um, you will never play in that environment again. Even like, you know, Greenbrier and John Deere are lesser events, so there's not as, not nearly as big a crowd, so you're not worried about that. And if you can stand up to Tiger Woods and kind of go toe-to-toe with him, you can, like, the next two weeks were, like, I thought, you know, coming down the stretch, like, I'm like, this is way easier than playing with Tiger. So that helped me a ton. If you look at, honestly, if you look at my career from the day I played with him to now, you can see a complete change in me on the weekend in contention and kind of being around the lead. I can imagine. So is that kind of what clicked for you, something like that, when you started to get hot and turn your career around? Yeah, it, it, it always takes a spark. Um, you know, for you guys baseball, maybe it's one little tip or maybe you like this pitch you're going against to get hot. Um, you know, you guys are in a slump. Like maybe you guys put your underwear on different. I don't know. Baseball guys are weird. You guys do a bunch of weird stuff. So, uh, you know, maybe you choose seeds in the other side of your mouth, whatever it is. But for me, it just took being comfortable. Like if I could do that on Saturday in that group and on pretty difficult golf course, shoot a couple under everything else is easier after that for me. And it made me understand that that was kind of a, I belong out here. I can compete out here. Um, I'm not wondering if I'm good enough to be on tour anymore. And it was kind of a, a cool spark plug for me. Yeah. That's, that's an awesome, awesome story to have it with around with tiger was, too. Yeah, right. Having that as your spark. Yeah. I like, I was so exhausted the next day. I actually didn't play very well on Sunday, but I was so exhausted mentally from being in that moment. It made me have such great appreciation for him and what he's done. And then for all of those top players, they have so much media, they have so much stuff going on. They have so much outside noise. And I'm like, how are you guys doing this? I was so exhausted. I go, I don't want to play with them for another month. (laughs) It's been a a couple of years. So I'm really ready to do it again. Hopefully we get, uh, you know, paired up on a weekend again. That'd be incredible. But I was so, I just remember being mentally exhausted for the grind of that day and what you have to do and what he goes through every day. It's incredible. Do you ever, you know, fall victim to projecting your score if you're having a good round in your first, you know, 12 holes and you're like, oh, shit, I could be, I'm, I'm on to something here. Or are you really trying to be, you know, one shot at a time, one hole at a time? Yeah, so, it's, it's great. Like one shot at a time and that whole thing is really fun to talk about. But it's impossible. Like I kind of prescribe to the notion that you can't control your thoughts. You can just deal with them and understand that you are going to have negative thoughts. You're going to, oh, man, if I birdie three of the last five, I'm going to shoot this we have so much time to think in golf. You have nothing but time to think. And then you have to concentrate for like 30 seconds over a golf shot. <laughs> if you can think about the golf shot and what you're doing in that moment, like I've never taken a club back or a putter back and be like, Oh my God, this is for this. It's like, you think about that walking for 200 yards or whatever. You think about all of this stuff. You think about, you know, giving a victory speech. You think about the trophy. You think about changing your life. You think about, you know, whatever, a new house, a new car, but that's all great, but I, no one, like, if you can, you can't control those thoughts. Those are going to happen. You just have to go through your process, the routine. You know, you guys in a batter's box. Like, I, I remember Nomar Garcia Parra just being a nightmare in the batter's box. Like, <laughs> like those things, though, so if you can just, you just get your number, pick your target, do your routine, and let it go. Like, that's all you can do. And the better you're at that, the better you're going to be overall. Zach was asking that question because the, ra- the last couple rounds we've played, he's been like even or one over. He's like, oh, on I'm one front. over three He's nine. like, I'm locked. And then the back nine has not been pretty. So, and that's clearly all mental because if you can physically do it for nine holes, you can do it for 
the next nine holes. Like it's not like your body's exhausted where you can't get it done. So that is, uh, if you can, you can think about all those things, but also have a plan maybe to when you get over your golf shot and you laser the number and you pick your seven iron, like there's a target. This is what I do. You go through routine. You just look at target and you go like a pitcher. Like he's not like thinking mechanics of a curveball. He's like, Oh look, there's a mitt. I'm going to throw a curveball at the mitt. Like this is it. Exactly. Um, if you guys are fielding a ground ball at second base, I mean, you can go chuck knoblock and have the yips on it. But if you, <laughs> that's what happens if you think. Like if you just pick up the ball like the grounder and you chuck it at the, like first base, you're never going to miss. So the more reactionary you can make golf, the better you are. So I think the time you can take as much time as you want. Preferably, it's fast. If you can make your time over the ball as quick as possible. That'd be that the better it is. The more like target and reactionary you are, the better you're going to be. I'm going to be sprinting around the <laughs> golf course that next round. Well, baseball players are known for not having great conditioning, so uh, <laughs> that's true. That's fair. I think I think golfers and baseball players probably have the worst conditioning. If you could make it 90 feet, well, and sometimes you hit a double, that'd be great too. So what's that? 180 feet. Yeah, that's the most we ever want to run. 180, that's our max. Don't ask us to do more. Anything People else should be like very rare these days. That's true. Yeah, and no one steals base. I got it. Well, here's a baseball question for a guy who doesn't know shit. Ricky Henderson stole those bases back in the day, and obviously no one's ever going to touch that again. Obviously, he was fast and a good base dealer, but why is no one stealing the way that he did back then? I'm like thinking like Ichiro for a minute. Like he's the fastest guy of all time. Is the analytics is like don't steal a base because you don't want the out, or can you guys kind of explain base stealing versus Henderson area to now? In this yeah, yeah, there's a couple things. One is the analytics would suggest that the risk reward is not worth it, and I think since that era, pitchers really wised up to how long it takes to get a ball to home plate and like gotcha. put put the numbers together. So pitchers are way better at holding runners. Their times of the plate are way quicker. Catchers, for the most part, are getting better so it's like to be able to actually steal a base now you have to be really fast and it's still incredibly hard and hitters one through nine now all hit like 20 home runs anyways so you're already in scoring position all the time uh so that's the analytic piece is like the actual of balls going over the fence are completely changed the game yeah and you should i mean i would say probably 75 percent of guys now that might be high but will score from first on a double with a good read. Like if it's, if it's just athletes ball. getting better. Yeah. I think you see it in every sport, right? Like you can see it in golf. Like dudes are way more ripped up in golf and like more athletic than they ever have been in the past. And the same thing with baseball. Yeah. Um, certainly. Like that's, that's a great point. Like you're like, Oh, the ball goes too far. Technology is this. I'm like, dude, Look at DJ. Look at Rory. Like they're jacked. Like they are. And then we have we have TrackMan, right? So we have like everything. We have technology is obviously better, and the ball's better. But we're also teaching the young people. Fifteen year olds are now swinging 115 miles an hour because they have body track and they have all these things to teach them how to swing and use the ground and use their body. And then people are actually in the gym now. Um, believe it or not, I've actually been in the gym like three times a week during quarantine. So, uh, I've gained 10 pounds, but I think it's white cause and tequila. Uh, but my functionality as a golfer is way better than it's ever been. So, and it's because people 
I'm sure you guys use it, you know, for everything you guys do, like how to get your better bat speed and how to do all like, that's just, I think it's just incredible to watch, you know, DJ six, four and pretty good athlete. Like you watching these guys, just if you give them a long stick and a ball, like it's going to go far. Yeah. They, the equivalent to baseball there is like, why are guys striking out so much? It's either a strikeout or a homer. And it's like, well, because after the fifth inning, every single guy throws a hundred, and it's just hitting it so hard right now. And the they balls know and- everything about you and all of your yeah. weaknesses, and they never stop. So yeah. right, they don't <laughs> keep going. Like the, the hot or cold thing on you guys, and it's like, oh, this guy can't hit an up and in pitch. We'll just chuck it there every time. Yeah, like, at 105, and see what happens. It's well, like, that's, yeah. and like you said, the the, uh, the starters aren't going as long anymore. They pitch five innings, like oh, a great outing, and I'm like. Didn't people used to pitch complete games and make it seventh inning? Like that was you had like seventh inning, you had a mid relief, and then you had the closer. Like that was a game, and now it's like, oh no, we're throwing seven people at you guys. It's like, yeah. and so then also, like well, like you said, like you can get a read on the starting pitcher after a couple of bats is what they talk about. But I just now they're throwing so many things at you guys. It's like, oh, this guy's brand new. This guy's oh look, it's a righty on righty. Let's do that in. I'm like. This guy can't even – he's come in for one batter? Like, this is comical. Yeah, it used to be for, like, a 10-to-1 game, they would bring in a mop-up righty, throw an 88, and you would take advantage now in a 10-1 game. I remember a game against the Pirates a couple of years ago. We're, we're up, like, 10-to-1, and we're, we're riding, and they bring in a righty that throws 100 in the 8th and a lefty that threw 100 in the ninth, And I was like, what is happening? Like, don't you need to save these guys for a game when you could actually win? But that's all that's just all that's in the bullpen now. Is everybody is. just throws laser beams. But defense. isn't the joke yeah. that pitchers only work like once every five or six days and you have nothing to do? So you like shag fly balls and play golf? So that's not actually true? Yeah, it's the, be- it's the best life it's, ever. It's being a, a pretty easy pitcher, life. Yeah. Being a starting pitcher has to be the best thing ever. You just you come to work. Every day you get your work in, which is like throwing, lifting, working out, and then you're actually on the field once every five days. The other four, you could play golf, do whatever. Like, do pitchers, after your, let's say you have a nice start, maybe you get seven innings and you throw like a nice five hit, one run. Do you guys just get absolutely smoked like for like three days because you have nothing? Well, I guess you're supposed to work out and stuff, but like that seems like quite the party night. It's yeah, especially think, if it's a bad outing, it's a nice way to blow off some steam. Uh, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> yeah, it definitely depends on the guy, but there's uh, there's guys around the league that are you know the next two or three days are they're just getting after it. But I think that there's more that goes. It's like it's like golf where people don't really realize how much work you guys put in Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday before an event, and like that they're pretty long days and you have a lot of stuff to do. Like pitchers are the same way. Like they have all the workouts they have to do and making sure their body's in good shape. It's yeah. like to, to make 30 starts a year, that takes a lot out of you. And like the body throwing a hundred pitches and like what that does to your arm and the rest of your body. It's that's excellent. a good point. Like, like you said, for us golfers, like the work, like traveling for us is most of us don't fly private. Um, you know, you hop on American or whatever in Southwest, but that takes a little bit of a toll on your body, like sitting in a seat for people don't understand what it takes to have your body function day in and day out at a high level. They have no idea the recovery that takes. And then if you drink, then you basically have a day off the next day. I don't care what you do. If you were hungover and you still go in and fight through it, your body's not functioning properly. Yeah. And then you can almost form bad habits that way a little bit. So, and then the preparation we have on Tuesday, like people have no idea what our Tuesday looks like at tour. It's like a 10 hour day of pretty much tough stuff. Like I shouldn't say tough playing golf isn't tough, but like, 
working with a trainer before the round, make sure you eat healthy, like through, make sure you have everything ready. Your caddy's doing a ton of work. And then finally, you know, it's most time it's hot out. You guys play in the heat all the time. Like these things, like the day-to-day life that athletes lead and it looks so great is the average fan or the normal civilian, whatever is comical. They have no idea what goes into it. I go come out for a week of golf and you are absolutely exhausted. And people have no idea like, oh, you just walk around and whack a ball. Yeah, we do. But we're also the best in the world at it. And the stuff that goes into it off the golf course and prior and post is so much work. And everybody's just exhausted from it when they come out for a week. I'm like, I dare you to come out for a week and try to do what we do. You can't do it. Yeah. You're not rolling out of bed and shooting a 15 under and winning the Masters. Right. That just doesn't like, oh, all you have to do is walk around. All right. Well, walk around and think for four hours, five hours on tour. Like it's impossible. For you guys, like it's kind of the same deal. Like you have. Like I said, like the pitcher's like, oh, you just do nothing. Well, no, you have to get your body right because, well, if you don't, if you don't perform, you're not going to play. Yeah, you get sent home. I, I was thinking yesterday we played, you know, 18 holes riding, and it was 110 degrees. Like if you have to walk for five straight, six straight days in the middle of the summer, one of the one of the events in the middle of the summer, like a U.S. Open at Oakmont where it's 95, like right. That is just no idea. Like there's no, like you can get some IV bags and stuff, but you're like over the course of time, it's like Tiger says he loses like seven to 10 pounds during major weeks when it's hot out because he just can't eat enough and you can't get enough fluid in. So your body just won't accept it at that point. Like it's just stuffing it full. And I get like some of us are fat and lazy and whatever, and we can still be good at golf. But I challenge the, average human who talks crap about us athletes on our day offs. If they watch what we did, they'd be shocked. I think last thing we have for you before we let you go, um, we know about the bucket hat. Absolutely love it. What are the chances we can get some kind of compound and cancer bucket hat going on? Well, uh, pretty high is, is the first answer, obviously. Uh, I will, I I like to trade though. So I'm going to need, yes, I, I guess I'm. I got honestly. I was. I guess I was a Cubs fan. You guys were so bad for what, like ninety years or something. <laughs> a hundred eight, I might say. A hundred eight. Okay, so I almost actually said that, but it was. Uh, I was like, that couldn't be possibly that long. But, uh, <laughs> I am a. Uh, well, you guys are National League, right? You can have an American League. The Mariners are so bad. I got to root for somebody, and uh, getting to know a yeah. few guys has been fun. But uh, I'd probably take a uh, a Cubs hat. And uh, I don't need game worn. I don't need any of those special things. You just give me one that's laying around. I could go buy one for twenty five dollars too. But um, we could uh, we can definitely get them, especially because Derek Bullen, uh, who you're good friends with, and uh, who kind of runs all my hat stuff and all that stuff, we could probably figure out a way to get you guys correct sizes on your bucket hats. If, we would love that. If you wore a Cubs hat out for like a practice round on tour, how happy would Streels be? Oh, Streels. Forgot that he's a. Oh, he actually dished out us on the day that you shot your career low sixty nine. He did. Shout out. He would to have been him. on the other team. We would have taken all of his money too. That would have been great. <laughs> did you Did you see when he was? Uh, he had all the guys during spring training sign the front flap for on his yeah. tour bag, and then he put it out there and played with it. That was pretty cool. Yeah, I actually saw that. That was uh, Streels is another. He's a local Scottsdale guy for us. He's actually been really good to me. Um, just kind of, he's been out there for I don't know. 15 years maybe he's a little bit older he's got a wife and kids and he's done everything the right way i think he's he's a grinder 
see a lot of my career in him kind of the same way. Like started on many tours and grinded out, but he's been great to me uh, and super nice about everything and kind of some advice along the way. So um, I do remember him out with that bag, and I think it was a gold sharpie almost or a white sharpie on the red bag. But yeah, uh, he did he did dodge us. I think he owes us around. Probably at Whisper Rock. I heard that's a pretty nice place where he's a member at. So he owes us all around up there. Yeah, we can wear our uh, bucket hats and go out and play with Streels. That sounds like a plan. And then take all of his money. That was Joel Damon. Joel, thanks for coming on the podcast. Uh, friend of the podcast now. We got a, That was our first PGA Tour oh, yeah. guest. First PGA Tour friend. That feels good. Um, had some tips for Shorty on the back nine. Much needed, too, because I'm, I'm sick and tired of blowing up on the back nine. Yeah, we'd like to we'd like to see you close it out strong. Yeah, you know, take your tennis to your golf game. Uh, and I think we're gonna maybe be able to play around with him. Maybe a beer, maybe a round, uh, both. maybe both. Maybe, Same maybe time, maybe both. Sounds like blast to me. Nico, uh, Nico, you can come. You can have a beer. Okay, okay. Let's get to screen times. Let's get to screen times. I think they're gonna be pretty high today. Last couple weeks, screen time has been going up. I think that's when you know it's about time to leave it's the compound when time. your screen time oh, gets a little yeah. high. Uh, Dakota, screen time. Five forty-two. Four fifty-nine. Wow, not bad actually. Five eleven. Mine was also five eleven. Nice. Wow, you had the lowest screen time at just under five hours. I was on my iPad for a little bit. My, I like that you finally admitted that when you had the lowest screen time. You actually let no, the people know. I don't hear it. Uh, I've got one more thing before we let the people go, and that's uh, my quarantine coffee venture that I haven't mentioned on the podcast yet. Um, and we're doing quarantine coffee with Connect Roasters in Illinois. Uh, we're giving $3 from every bag sold to COVID relief, um, specifically Save the Children and Feeding America through the Chicago Food Bank. So super excited about that. It's great coffee. I'm a big coffee guy, and I love it. I know these guys can attest that I do my pour over every morning here at the compound, and the website where you can go find that is coffeeforcovid.com. Let's go check that out. Help support the cause. Giving back to Chicago. Anything else you guys got? That's episode 13, we think. Don't have numbers anymore. Nothing? Anybody? Like, subscribe, resubscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe, like, subscribe, resubscribe, unsubscribe. And then do that two more times. Thanks, everybody. Coming to you live from The The Compound. For maybe the last time, The Compound. Let's keep.